1188 in the Pew Bibles, beginning with Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. Hear the word of God. Hear what the Lord says to you, O house of Israel. This is what the Lord says. Do not learn the ways of the nations or be terrified by the signs in the sky, though the nations are terrified by them. For the customs of people are worthless. They cut a tree out of the forest and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. They adorn it with silver and gold and fasten it with a hammer and nails so it will not totter. Like a scarecrow in a melon patch, their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them. They can do no harm, nor can they do any good. This is the word of God for the people of God. And you may be seated. So, the Christmas that almost wasn't. This is October 29th, I think. This is not about Christmas. This is not at all about Christmas. I'm sorry. Just give me a second here. In fact, the sermon is not at all about Christmas. It is, however, wouldn't you know, it stopped working. (laughs) Well, I think I can do this without, I think it's probably because I turned my iPad on. Let me try this again. I was hoping I could see, okay, so it must be the iPad interfering with it, but I'll just have to look back here. I was hoping I could see it on my screen and not have to look back, but that's okay. Now we know. It's about persuasion and knowing and avoiding the pitfalls that I've encountered. I've got a little testimony for you today, and I'll try to keep it brief, though I could probably talk for hours about it. Um, I first heard the calling of God in my life to be a pastor in 1994. I was sitting in a church in Obetz, Ohio, and looked at the pastor and said, I can do that someday. I can do that when I retire. I didn't retire before I started. I started in five years later, in 1999. I got a phone call. We need someone to be a pastor. Okay, I'll do it. So that started the whole thing. Now, I haven't served in a church all of those years, but most of the years I have. But anyway, started in 1999, 2003. I met a man. I'm going to call him Rick. That's not his real name. Okay? And Rick introduced me to what he called the two-house teaching. Has anybody ever heard two-house? You've heard it? Okay. The two-house teaching. It was brilliant. I fell for it right away. There's a lot to it. Basically, in the Bible, God talks about the house of Judah and the house of Israel. You can't deny what the Bible says. It's true. House of Judah became what we know of as the Jews from Judah. See it? House of Israel was scattered among the nations, never to be brought back. He was claiming that the house of Israel is Christianity today. I don't think he's wrong, to be honest with you. But had he stopped there, we'd have been fine. He took it further. He, over the next couple of years, he brainwashed me into believing and getting involved in what's called the Messianic movement. If you've heard of the two house, you've probably heard of Messianic movement. I like to call it Messiantics movement. 
Um, anyway, so I got involved in this. So much that I was trying desperately to keep the law in the Torah. Trying so hard to do it. Believing that I had to. Because I was listening to what he said. I gave up eating pork. I um, stopped, you know, I, I wouldn't call Easter Easter. I called it the Passover. I did all kinds of things, okay? But the most, most importantly, what I did to myself was I burdened myself with something that God didn't want to burden me with. By the way, this is the background. Something that God didn't want me burdened with. And though I told the United Methodist Church in 2006, I said, you know what? I need to spend more time with family. I'm stepping down as pastor. That was at the beginning of a lot of controversy that recently unfolded. Well, actually, it really kind of started heating up back in 2006 in the United Methodist Church. So I, I also use that as an example. But really, in my mind, I was thinking, man, Christianity is so wrong, and all these people are going to be in trouble when God returns, when Jesus returns. I was given up on Christianity. Yeah, can you believe that? I was given up on Christianity because I was told that God never intended for us to not keep the Jewish ways. Now, let me tell you, before I go any further, the, the ways of the Jewish people are amazing. The things that they do according to the Torah. When they add stuff to it, that's their tradition. That's where they go to go wrong. But when you deep, dig deep into the Bible and what God said, if you're following along in our Bible reading plan, we read Leviticus 23 today. Amazing stuff in Leviticus 23. Anyway, let's get on with this. So, spent a night in a tent one year for the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, only spent four nights because it was really cold. But um, anyway, it gets to the point where my family's starting to see things are weird about me. I'm, I'm acting strangely. And Rick comes to me one day. He goes, hey, you know, you can't celebrate Christmas anymore. Like, what do you mean? Christmas is a pagan holiday, and it's not in Leviticus 23. You can't celebrate it. Like, oh, that's crazy. He says, do you want to go to hell? Of course I don't want to go to Who says I want to go to hell? He goes, well, if you celebrate Christmas, you're in danger of going to hell. So I wrote a letter to my pastor, a mentor. It was a pastor. I was a pastor at the time. He was my mentor. I consider him my pastor. I said, hey, I'm not celebrating Christmas this year. I haven't told my family yet. I don't know what my kids are going to do. We'll celebrate Hanukkah. They'll get eight days of gifts instead of one. Praise God. That email never made it to him. I hit the send button. Send it off. He never, ever got it. Never. Don't know what happened. Praise God. He never got it. So anyway, I'm sitting at work one day. By the way, I worked with this guy, Rick. And... Um, he comes in and he says, open up your Bible and read Jeremiah chapter 10. The first four verses. Four verses. I'm going to go back to that for a minute. So, hear what the Lord says. Do not lean on the ways of the nations or be terrified by the signs. This is what it says. For the practices of people are worthless. They cut a tree out of the forest, and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. They adorn it with silver and gold. They fasten it with a hammer and nails so it will not totter. He said, what's that sound like? 
I said, sounds like an idol. He says, no, it's a Christmas tree. I went, oh, like, like a knife got stabbed in my chest. Oh, it's a Christmas tree. I can't celebrate Christmas. I wasn't going to celebrate Christmas in 2006. He stopped there. Verse 4. Let's read verse 5. Like a scarecrow in a cucumber field, their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. They do not fear them, nor do, can they do harm. They do, do not do any good. He didn't have me read that verse. It's definitely talking about idols. They would cut a tree down. They would carve it. They would adorn it with silver and gold and make it look like a person. The Philistine idol was, looked like a little person. And by the way, that Philistine person landed, that idol landed on its face several times in the presence of God. That's for another time. He didn't have me read verse 5. I was scared to death. I thought I was going to hell. And... He added to it, let me skip that one for a second. He added to it this verse right here. He says, now read Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. Anybody familiar without looking? Okay. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 through 8. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. What does that say? Just that right there. It says, if you're a Christian and you have fallen away, you know all about the Holy Spirit, you've tasted the goodness of God, and you fall away, you're done. You're going to hell. He says, don't cross over that line. You celebrate Christmas, you're crossing that line, you're going to hell, have a good time burning up. He said those words to me. Let's continue to read. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Here it is. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But the land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. That confirmed it. You're going to burn in hell. No. Wrong. So what did I do? I'm going to leave that up there for a second because I want to explain what I did. I said, Frederick, I just used his real name. <laughs> I said, Rick, <laughs> don't talk to me again. I said, I think we're done. I said, I think we're done. And it's hard. That's why you can't tell a lie. The truth always comes out, right? <laughs> um, I said, we're done. I can't do this. I said, I don't think you're right. I, I, you might be right. You might be partially right. But man, you aren't telling me I'm going to hell. I believe that when I accepted Christ as my Savior and the Holy Spirit came into my life, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, 30 or 31. I can't remember which one now. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. I said, Jesus said that you, none of these that you have given me will be snatched from my presence. I gave him all kinds of verses that tell that once you become a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit living in you, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you're going to heaven. I don't know what this says, but I know that's not what it is. So I would meditate on this. I would ask God. That's the key in all this. I turned to God in that moment. For those three and a half years, 
I turn to Rick. I turn to people by the name of Monty Judah, if you've ever heard that name. All kinds of prominent leaders in the Messianic movement. Monty Judah, right around the same time this happened, said the book of Hebrews should not be in the canon because he could not take Hebrews chapter 10, which says the law was set aside, and he couldn't have that work into what he wanted to say about the Messianic movement. So he wrote a big, long article. He had a lot of followers and said, book of Hebrews is out. That's a lot of power to just take a book out of the Bible. Anyway, I read this. You know what this, this passage says? You read the beginning, Hebrews chapter 6. You read from Hebrews chapter 1. You read all the way up to here. You keep reading till the end. This is about people who turn back to the law and practice legalism. When you have learned what Jesus has done for us and has been the fulfillment of the law, and then you turn back to not his grace, but to legalistic trying to get your way into heaven, that's what this is about. And you know what happens to those people? They can't be turned back by us talking. They're like a field that has been watered and has grown thistles and briars, not fruit. And nowhere in here does it say anything about anybody going to hell. That was another thing God showed me. He says, in the end, it will be burned. You know why? When you have a piece of land, we don't know this, we're not farmers. When you have a piece of land that is producing thistles and briars and all kinds of weeds, you have to burn it. And when you burn it, guess what happens? It produces good fruit. It's chastisement from God. It's judgment from God. If you are turning back so far that no one can bring you back, there's only one thing left. If we keep reading, it says God doesn't break his promises. He'll bring you back. This isn't saying that you can go to hell for sinning your way into hell. It's saying that if you turn back to the legalistic ways, that's who this was written to, the Hebrews. By the way, all Jews are Hebrews, but not all Hebrews are Jews. If we go back to that two-house thing, Hebrews were 12 tribes. 12 tribes. Two of them are the Jews. The other 10 are the house of Israel, but they're all Hebrews. So what I'm saying is, this man through persuasion, coercion, and whatnot, convinced me that I was going to hell if I celebrated Christmas in 2006. By the way, it was one of the best Christmases we had. It was. It was very awkward, but it was very good. So, I had a slide up here earlier. It says, the Messianic movement is like any other denomination. There's a lot of good to it. I learned a lot that I use today. Okay? But just like the United Methodist Church, just like the Presbyterian Church, the Episcopal Church, the Catholic Church, the Global Methodist Church, I don't care what denomination you have, there are going to be people in there that are going to be looking for their own agenda, and they're going to try to convince you how wrong you are and how right they are so that you follow them. I don't know what's going on in their lives, but a lot of times there's pride A lot of times there's search for identity going on in their lives, and this is how they feel better about themselves. They convince others to 
follow them in the ways they're living because they've got it right. This man was starting a cult. I have not spoken to him in 17 years. I don't know where he is or what he's doing now, and I pray that he didn't start a cult, but that's where he was headed. So where do we go from here? So some principles to remember. God does not expect us to figure anything out alone. Okay? He has given us this. This is amazing. This is a lifeline. This will change everything if you take time to read it. I can't just put it on my head and say, okay, just fall into my brain. I can't just sit it on the table and say, yep, that's my Bible, and expect it all to come into my life. I have to read it or listen to it. You have to take it in. It's not magic. It's not a book of spells. It is the word of God, the living word of God. And you have to bring it in. And if I had not brought it into my life in that moment in 2006, who knows where I'd be right now? I probably wouldn't be standing in front of all of you. Probably be celebrating Hanukkah right now. So, he will never force you to believe or understand something. If you don't want to believe it, if you just say, I don't believe that, I'm not going to believe it, I have no, no intention of ever understanding it, fine. God will not force you. But the minute you say, God, I want to know the truth, I want to know your truth. I don't want to know what all these other people think. I want to know your truth. And you look in the word of God and you, get a, you pray and you ask God, he's going to give it to you, but he'll never force it on you. He will guide you when we ask for help. Always. It's a promise. If you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. That's a promise. And in 6,000 years plus, God has never broken a single promise. He will help you. He helped me. He will help you. And this is really important. If it doesn't feel right, and let me tell you, for three and a half years, it didn't feel right. But I ignored that. You know why I ignored that? I said, it doesn't feel right because this is all new to me. I'm coming out of Christianity. I'm coming into the truth it doesn't feel right, so I'm just going to push through it, and God will make it feel right. You know why it didn't feel right? Because it wasn't for me. I'm not saying it's not for anybody. I'm not God. God brings some people to it, because some of these people are going to lead Jews to the Messiah through what they do. That wasn't my calling. He wanted me here on October 29th, 2023. He wanted me right here. And he wasn't going to force me, but he wooed me. He showed me. He led me. When I asked for help, he brought me back so that I could be right here this day speaking to all of you. If it doesn't feel right, ask God. If I ever say anything to you and it doesn't feel right, please ask God. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. So then there's the we factor. We are in the midst of a spiritual battle. We have been our entire lives. Whether we realize it or not, no matter what you know about it or don't know about it, we don't know everything. But as we go through life, we can learn more about this. We are in the midst of a spiritual battle. 
And the enemy doesn't want you to know the truth. They'll bring you this close to the truth, but they won't let you get on the truth. You know, interesting thing, I, I know someone who's um, a surveyor, and I asked him one time, I said, is there really a true north? He says, well, actually, yes, but it's not what you might think. It's not directly on the North Pole. It's just a little bit off. I said, okay, but everything points to that one point. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's an absolute one North Point that compasses point to. I said, okay, what if I'm just a degree off of that to the left or to the right? He goes, then you're not on the truth. I said, yeah, exactly. This is the truth. You know what Eve did? She added a word to what God said. God said, do not eat the fruit of the tree in the center of the garden. You know what she said? Do not eat or touch the fruit in the center of the garden. And when she added to it, you know what Satan said? Oh, he didn't say that. And Satan wasn't lying because God didn't say that. Satan was not lying to her, but Satan was keeping her just outside that true north the world fell into sin. This is the truth. If you can't make it fit your beliefs, then change your beliefs. Because this is the truth. If it doesn't fit with what you've been taught, then relearn what you've been taught. That is the truth. I was convinced with that that I was going to hell. I just showed you the verses that he used. I was convinced that I was going to hell. That led me to the truth. That pulled me out. That and, well, not that exact Bible. That one's fairly new. But God's word pulled me out, and God's Holy Spirit pulled me out. We are weak without God's strength. There are a lot of people in this world who rise to prominence, think, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm good at what I do. And I appreciate confidence as much as anybody else. I have more confidence today than I did five years ago. And I'm proud of that confidence because God has given it to me. Now, I don't boast of that of myself. I boast of it as God has given it to me, okay? But there are some people that just get so, so good at what they do that they think, I'm pretty good. They're nothing without God's strength. We are nothing without God's strength and we are children of the most holy God. And how many of you who have children? Show me your hands. Now, put your hands down for a second. How many of you, raise your hand, if you would get rid of your child because they sinned? That's what I thought. Nobody put their hands up. Nobody was even close to putting their hands up. Why do we think God would get rid of us? No. Never. God's not going to get rid of you. We are his children. And in the end, we win. <coughs> it's in there. We win. God is victorious in the end. So where do I want to go with this today? <coughs> I want you to let God write your story. He wrote my story for me. Now, there's a lot more to it. Like I said, I could talk for hours about this and tell you all the ins and outs and what I learned, but, and it's some great stuff. But in the end, I had to look to God, not to Google, not to other people, not to books that were written, because I read a lot of books about it. There's one that says the Ten Commandments Twice Removed was the name of a book. 
why the Ten Commandments were what we need to follow and nothing else. It was good. It was very convincing. Ten Commandments are important. But so is the New Testament. So is the New Covenant. And oh my gosh, if we understood the New Covenant the way it was intended, I don't even fully understand it the way it's intended to be understood. I'm getting better. God has given it to me, and I'm hoping to give it to you. I've been trying over the last few weeks, but please don't let someone mislead you because if someone has got to get you to believe what they believe, to make them feel better, there's a word for that. It's called manipulation. And it's not good. And it's not from God. So let God write your story. Let him convince you what is real, what is not. So what do we say about Christmas? It's December 25th. We will meet here on December 24th for a morning service and two evening services. We will celebrate Christmas. We will celebrate the birth of our Savior. Whether he was born on that day or not, we don't know. That doesn't matter. It is not, putting a Christmas tree in your house is not Jeremiah chapter 10. It is not. Don't take things out of the Bible and say, this is what I've been looking for. Take that whole Bible, bring it all together, and God will say, this is what you're looking for. The whole thing. I know it's hard to understand. And I know people were asking me questions, and I love answering. I had another question this morning about Leviticus. Please bring them to me. I'll answer them the best I can, and if I don't know, I'll find out. I'll take it to God. We'll take it to God together. We'll learn together. Okay? But don't just take a passage and say, this is what this means. It causes so much harm. I'm not here to badmouth the Messianic movement. I'm not here to badmouth the United Methodist Church, any church. I'm not here to say Christmas is holy. I'm not here to say it's unholy. I'm here to say that no matter what you do in this life, you take it to God. You have a relationship with him. He will turn you around if you're wrong. He will lead you in the way he wants you to go every single day of your life. And that may not match what other people are doing. But you know what? If you're following God in faith, and they're following God in faith, who am I to say which one's wrong, or that you're both wrong, or you're both right? I'm not God. If you follow God in faith, you won't go wrong. That's what faith is. Believing in what we cannot see and knowing that it's real. That's what I didn't do. Don't make my mistakes. Take it to God in faith. Don't trust just what other people say. Let God be the main source. And let God write your story. Thank you for listening. I pray you enjoyed it. And if you have any other further questions about it, please ask. I'd be glad to share. Maybe someday I'll do that three or four hour thing, not on a Sunday morning. But it's good stuff. All right, let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, how great you are, Lord. How mighty and powerful just beyond words. Father, may all that we heard today penetrate our hearts and permeate through us that we can take away from this that you want a strong relationship with us, that you want to teach us and you want to guide us in your ways and you want to tell us that our sins are forgiven, that you want to tell us that we are your children, that you want to tell us that you love us 
And we need not worry about being cast away because you have brought us in. And Lord, for anyone who may not have been brought in fully yet, bring them in now. Have them come forward and accept you finally, once and for all. We ask you to do this for us, Lord, for we love you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if you haven't, or you're concerned, or you're worried, please come forward. Pray with God at the altar. I'll leave you alone. You pray with God whatever you want to pray, no matter what it is. I don't want people coming forward saying, oh, well, she must not have really accepted God. If you've got a bad knee, come forward and pray. So let's not judge people by coming forward. If you really feel to come forward this day, come forward and pray.